0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Good People Talk, the podcast of the Good People Fund. Here, we talk to good people who, with Good People Fund support, are finding innovative ways to fill the cracks in our world and honor the Jewish value of tikkun olam. Erica Velez is a lifelong resident of Puerto Rico. She founded Puerto Rico Lit, a volunteer-driven disaster relief organization to address the devastation and human dislocation caused by twin hurricanes, including Maria, that wrecked havoc on the island in 2017. The Good People Fund partnered with Puerto Rico Lit to ensure that necessities such as mosquito netting, nebulizers, building supplies, and appliances were acquired and distributed where needed. While the island and its residents are still recovering from the hurricanes, they're now dealing with a swarm of crippling earthquakes that have hit since last December. Thousands of people have lost their homes, structures are unsafe, and supplies of water and electricity and other necessities have been interrupted on parts of the island. The Good People Fund and Puerto Rico Lit are partners once again to address these needs, which are evolving. In this podcast, Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger speaks with Erica Velez in a phone hookup late last week. We join them now.
1: I know it's late afternoon, almost early evening there in Puerto Rico. Just to make our listeners a little jealous, what's the temperature right now? <laughs> it's around 95. 95 degrees. Okay, <laughs> well, you and I have been connected since the, the hurricanes uh, in uh, two years ago, and um, we've worked with you and your organization, Puerto Rico Lit, over these past two years, doing relief work and providing people with items that they've needed even now, two years post-hurricane, but lo and behold, Puerto Rico is hit one more time, but this time with, with earthquakes. What can you tell us about uh, what's happened there over the last two weeks and a little bit more about those earthquakes and their strength and so forth?
2: The first quake started, it was like on the 28th. Like, of see, December. Sorry, of December. And it was very light. It, it, it didn't really make people scared or anything. It was just kind of like a little warning. Mm-hmm. Then the big one came on the, on the seventh, And right. that was five, 5.9, which is almost a six. And that brought on a lot of um, destruction on the homes. Oh a lot of them just completely fell down to the ground. And um, after that, uh, we've continued to have smaller ones. And as days pass, we have less and less, but we still have at least one a day. So you're getting them daily, even though
1: it may only be one. Correct. And the area that is affected
2: by these most is where? Okay, so it's a southern... The west-southern part of the island and the municipalities that are mostly affected, their names are Yauco, Ponce, Guanica, Peñuela, and Guayanilla. Those are the ones that have been highly affected. Do you know how many people approximately live in those regions? Um, We don't have an exact count, but I do know that in the news it came out that we There was 4,500 people affected by this.
1: Yeah, and I think you just shared with me the number of homes that have to be rebuilt.
2: The engineers and architects already started working. They're doing assessments on um, how many houses are actually destroyed that need rebuilding or reconstruction, Mm -hmm. and around 1,700 homes.
1: One of the reasons that the Good People Fund has benefited and enjoyed working so much with Erica is that she essentially acts as our eyes and ears on the ground. I know, Erica that yesterday you went on a, a sort of official fact-finding trip to the region.
2: Yes. And if you could tell us where you were and what you saw. Yes. All right. So we visited um, Guanica and Peñuelas, which is one of the two from the five that I mentioned before. On Peñuelas, we took um, supplies house to house. And what we noticed is that a lot of them said, oh, we don't need anything. We've already, people have already come and given us supplies. Right. So that surprised us. But it had already come up on the news that there was too many people going, like good Samaritans going down to the south to give help. And from there, we moved on to Guanica. And Guanica, we, we went to the center that the government has set up for the people that lost their homes and they can set up tents there and live there for now. Mm -hmm. And we went directly to the place where they have all the donations and we asked, "Um, is there anything that you still need? And they asked just for deodorant, um, sheets, blankets, um, pillows, and tents if we had any. But all the other supplies were already met. So we left what we had that was related to that And we returned with some supplies back. So what it means is that, you know, Good Samaritans have really done their homework, which is good. Mm -hmm. We also have the National Guard, which is right on the money. They're delivering house to house water and stuff like that daily. And they are um, giving security to these centers where people are staying.
1: Right. And there there are about seven Seven camps or
2: settlements where people have set up. Around seven, if you if you count one in each um, like town, but people personally have just set up small camps like in their yards or or down the street, few tents together. They are just so afraid of sleeping indoors because they're afraid that an earthquake will come through in the night, right. and they will not be able to run out on time. So it's a mixture between some people that have lost their homes and they have to sleep outside and the other people who have not definitely, like their roofs have not come down, but they're so afraid that it might, that they're sleeping out too. All due to the fact that um, the earthquakes have not stopped. So there's still a lot of fear. I think one of the things
1: that you've impressed us with, even going back to the work with hurricanes, is that needs are changing daily and I know that Last week you met with some official people. I think FEMA and others and yes. they gave you a long list of what was needed and Yesterday you learned one, you know only less than a week later That those things were no longer needed and that yes. the situation is fluid, you know for, for want of a better term and I think one of the things that you taught us with the hurricane, and now we see it with this situation with the earthquakes, is that this is is a marathon, it's not a sprint, and that needs will change day to day. Keeping that in mind, what do you see now as the most urgent needs, or what you believe, will be needed in the next few weeks as things evolve,
2: as kids go back to school and so forth. Most urgent needs, which is something we noticed yesterday, is there's so many people like psychologically affected by this situation. Remember, we lived through a hurricane only two years ago. This situation brings back a lot of PTSD, and people are just so anxious and nervous that they don't want to walk back into their houses. So there's a we need a lot of um, psychological help and medical help. Medical help also for the elderly. We have a lot of elderly staying in these shelters, but you know, when you have bedridden patients, you need to change their diapers, you need to bait them, and that's not happening. So a lot of medical help in both sides, the mental and the physical. And then to add to this, they still don't have electricity in a lot of the areas. Guanica doesn't have electricity. What's happened is they're, they're, like a lot of the places are not open for, for business. So these mm-hmm. people aren't working. They need to work to be able to rebuild their homes. And then on top of that, since the kids are still not back in school, because the schools have to be checked by the architects and the engineers before um, they allow children back in, make sure the structure is not damaged. So the kids are still at home and the mothers can't go out to work either. So it, it's kind of like a, a small snowball effect. It changes daily. Today in the news, the governor said that they w- they're gonna start setting up big camps to start the elementary schools so the kids can actually go to school. The buildings are not um, completely checked yet. So that the economy begins to move so that the people start to go into work, you know, slowly. So I see In the very near future, necessity for school supplies, backpacks, things like that. Because once these kids start, they have nothing. They lost everything in that home that was destroyed. So um, I'm very keen on keeping on with the news so that I know when they're going to start and in what areas they're going to open up these centers. Your belief then is that any resources which come
1: to you you will dedicate to providing backpacks, school supplies for the very immediate future. Exactly. And and in the perhaps longer term, investigation of ways that trauma can be addressed, whether that's with the kids in school or with the adult community. Correct. And um, those are things that you and I've discussed on previous conversations on per- the possibility of connecting with some of the schools uh, that were affected and bringing in a, some kind of program that would help these kids w- in terms of the trauma or even just to bring in a fun program so that they could remember how to laugh and how to feel good um, yes. despite the circumstances that they are living under. Because you know, kids that are probably seven or older are going to have very, very vivid memories. I'm even younger than six now that I'm thinking of it. They're gonna have very, very vivid memories of what their lives turned into after the hurricanes. Yes um, and after- so there's there are lots of opportunities here. Exactly. I'd like to go back a little bit to the the time of the hurricane. Can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to start Puerto Rico Lit? We were connected by somebody that I know who teaches at a private
2: school in San Juan. That same week that the hurricane passed on Sunday I was checking my Facebook trying to see if I could come up with some, some of the news because we didn't have electricity. I saw this interview of this lady interviewing another lady up in the mountains in Barranquita. And the lady was explaining that she just needed somebody to come and help them with food, that it had been three days since they had been able to reach any food, that everything was shut down, the places were closed, and they could not leave the area where they were staying because it was all blocked by trees and as she starts to ask for help she begins to cry and the reporter begins to cry with her Mm. and then the reporter looks at the camera and says please anybody it's not even the government just anybody anybody that can come and help these people and bring them supplies and bring them food will be more than welcomed and then they show a small picture of the house. It's completely on the ground, all made in wood. And I was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? I'm supposed to be out there helping these people. So I took that little skit or interview and I passed it on to my Facebook page my, and my friends. And I, I, I send it to my family and I send it to my closest friends. Right. And I said, I'm going to help this lady who's, who's coming with me. And in a matter of a week, my whole garage was full of supplies, everybody responded. And a week later, we did our, our first trip to Barranquitas. It took us a long time to get there because there was a lot of detours, a lot of closed roads because the trees were still on the ground. And once we got there, um, we like went up a small little hill and stood in the top of the hill and you know, opened the car and said, come over, we have food. And people started running out of their houses like little ants and mm-hmm. running to the, to the car and, and lining up in a, like a line and asking, you know, waiting for their turn to get food. And when I saw that, I said, Oh my God, this is so much bigger than what I thought. And this is just, we're just doing a small little piece. This has to continue. And so from then on we started doing trips once a week and mm-hmm. then those first five months. And then once a month, after that, and we finished in April. So, a good run. It <laughs> was a very good run. Yes, but it helped I, a lot of
1: people. Right, but I know just from our work that continues with you, that you are still uncovering people who have appliances that don't, aren't, you know, that are waterlogged and have not worked, and people whose Sofas and chairs are waterlogged. It may be two plus years post hurricane, but there are people who are still feeling the effects. That's one of the things that makes this work with you so compelling is that we can see um, and we can certainly share with our donors pictures of what is actually happening and what is, you know, what's going on on the ground
2: without refrigerators, living off those small um, totes that you use for the beach where you yes, put water. Yes, a, a cooler bag. A cooler bag. They, they've actually put once, one a day, they go to the supermarket, they, bag up, they bring their food home, they put it in there, and then they, at night they cook it, and that's it. That's what they and use. There, as. A, and like there are people that. doing that today. Yes, and I've also seen... Like in the old times when you used to do like a bonfire. Yes. So they, pull, they, put, they, li- they do the bonfire. They put a little, like a rack of a barbecue. And on top of that, you put the pot. So those, those appliances that you've spoken about that you've very kindly donated have gone to people and homes like that.
1: And the needs are still there. We know that. Oh,
2: yes. The, the needs continue to change as time passed. And I'm right. still working on, on appliances not today because there's still a lot of um, people that are bedridden, people that are older, that cannot leave their homes, never went to the FEMA center to sign up to see if they could get any help, that are still today with the leaks on their roofs. Some of them because they weren't approved, some of them because they didn't even know how to use a computer to be able to do that. Fill out the, you know, the forms. Yep. Those are the people we're still helping.
1: We're going to continue to work with Puerto Rico Lit and with Erica because other than being on the ground there ourselves, this is, um, this is the next best way to, um, to do this. And my Spanish is not all that good. So um, <laughs> um, going forward, we're going to um, work with Erica and wait to hear about backpacks and school supplies, we're hoping that all of the people who hear this podcast will share it with others and then hopefully join us to help Erica and to help the people in Puerto Rico who are suffering considerably from this latest, this latest natural disaster. And it's about the most direct way that we can think of to help people who are in need. Thanks Erica so much for your time and thank you guys for um, all the help
2: you've given us.
1: Well, Very it's been beautiful. it's been a pleasure to it's great to work with you. I will get to Puerto Rico at some point and uh, I, you, <laughs> I have lots of people who want to go and want to become part of some relief effort. Uh, now we ha- now there are double reasons for doing so. So again, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thank you
2: guys.